Kudlow. We turn our attention to this uh, Russian-Ukraine story, which, of course, includes the United States. And we bring in General Jack Keane, retired four-star general, chairman, Institute for the Study of War, Fox News senior strategic analyst, Presidential Medal of Freedom recipient. I was in the room when he got it. He is my longtime friend and mentor on all things national security. Uh, General Keene, sir, welcome back. Um, There's a headline on the Wall Street Journal website. You may have seen it. Um, Yes, the United States is evacuating from Kiev, but the Russians are evacuating from Kiev and some of the other cities in the eastern part of the Ukraine I uh, don't know if you saw it, but what do you make of it? Well, certainly. I mean, the, the drumbeat of war is, is beating stronger for sure. Um, I don't think yet the the Russians have moved their troops into assembly areas, which would mean, you know, an attack is really a couple of days uh, in the offing. Many of those organizations, from what I understand, are still organized, as we have seen, um, in motorpool-like organizations, except for what's going on in Belarus, where there's an exercise going on. Uh, but yes, I mean, certainly we're closer than we have been, for sure. Uh, I've always believed from the outset, Larry, that what Putin was really all about with this intimidation that began back in March and April, and then he returned after the surrender in Afghanistan, I think largely because he saw it as a huge opportunity, thinking that that NATO is much weaker as a result of the withdrawal and surrender in Afghanistan to our enemy. And, and there's the United States as well. And there's serious, you know, political and social divisions and in Europe and and in the United States. And he, he saw an opportunity, I think, to get some significant concessions here, but he hasn't got any concessions. And I'll tell you what, I, we got to give some credit to Zelensky here. I mean, they just finished nine hours of negotiations with the Russians yesterday, hosted by the French and and the Germans in Berlin. And Zelensky's negotiators didn't give up one iota here. I mean, they what the Russians want from him is that eastern Ukraine territory to be autonomous, where he no longer has control over it. And he has been unrelenting in not giving that up. And secondly, you know, he's held his population together. He hasn't let them panic under this. As a matter of fact, he's he's tried to counsel the United States is don't over don't overstate this. Don't overdo it. Hmm. And he's uh, counseled our president, remember, when the president seemed to okay a minor incursion uh as opposed to a, an overwhelming attack. And Zelensky publicly wirebrushed our president over that. Hmm. So he's steadfast here. And and I think, you know, if Putin could be overreaching in a sense because if he does invade, the the Ukrainians are going to be so much more anti-Russian than they even are now. NATO, even despite its differences, Larry, NATO will likely in the near term be stronger as a result of a military incursion uh, in Ukraine so close to the NATO-aligned countries. And then, and you know full well, uh, unless Biden doesn't do what he says he's going to do, when we pull that economic trigger dealing with his banks and foreign investments, he'll pay a price, you know, for this. Uh, so this is not complete win-win for Putin. There's risk involved here for him uh, in what he's doing and going forward. If if Biden pulls the economic banking sanctions trigger, if you told you told us last night 
on the Kudlow Show, uh, uh, Fox Business News, you said, um, and I loved it, a chill went down my spine when you said this, that when Putin speaks to, uh, when Biden speaks to Putin today, whenever that's going to be, that the first thing you should do is inform him that the United States is imposing banking sanctions. And I know how to do this because I worked with Mnuchin and O'Brien and Pompeo in the Trump administration. We did it to Iran and we did it to some other places. We know how the United States knows the Treasury Department and the Federal Reserve has all of the facilities in place, General Keene, to uh, take any uh, country out of the U.S. dollar-based transaction system, which is to say 90% of the world's transactions, right. uh, 90%. China is a pittance in this because they have capital controls, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, you said, I agreed. As I say, when you said that, it was like a jolt to me. That's the first thing Biden should tell Putin today. But will he do it? No. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Don't, think he, I yeah. don't think he will do it. I mean, his, you know, I give him credit for being rhetorically strong in saying that we are not giving up Ukraine. If they want to come into NATO, we'll consider that at a point when they're qualified. It may be several years from now. And we're not going to give up the fact that if other nations want to join NATO, uh, if they're qualified, we, we may take them. And we're not going to move our forces out of NATO countries that are close to, to Russia. So that that is all good. But the, the flaw has been that he bases deterrence uh, in terms of preventing an invasion on something we would do after the invasion. Mm -hmm. and, and, and I think that is a very weak position. And here, if the Biden administration, and you heard Jake Sullivan, the national security advisor, the tone of his voice, the seriousness of it, the sense of urgency he was expressing, if they believe that this invasion is in the near term in the offing here, then yes, let's let's go after Putin right now. We should have done it weeks ago, but just I mean, he he doesn't have the right to bring up one hundred and thirty thousand troops, even though it's it's his country, and put those troops on the border of a sovereign nation and intimidate and coerce forty million people and threatening them with their very livelihood and sovereignty. That that is something we should hold them accountable. We have complete justification to go punch him in the nose over something like that. And certainly at you, uh, who know so much more about this than I do and what our economic impact would be in going after taking them out of, out of the dollar banking system, would be that would get his attention. I don't know why Sullivan didn't raise that in his presser in the White House uh, press room yesterday. I mean, going into the White House press room, as you know, General, uh, and holding, you know, 40, 45 minutes is a big deal. I've done it several times on the economy. A couple of times, former National Security Advisor John Bolton and I shared the podium, uh, you know, when we had um, foreign policy with an, economic, uh, with an economic angle to it. I mean, I'm just saying it's a big deal. I don't think – I don't know why Sullivan didn't even mention it. I don't know why Sullivan didn't say, for example, and I know this to be the case, General, that um, – there has already been preparations made that the Treasury Department has already been in contact with not only American banks, all our big banks, but also with the European banks. We have already made contact. And as I said before, we, we have 
the plumbing, if you will, the wiring uh, between the Treasury and the Federal Reserve. We know exactly how to do it. I don't know why he didn't just say that. You know, somebody's got us. I mean, at this point, the Nord Stream 2 sanctions, look, we should have done that at the very beginning, as you have said. I've said it, too. Sure. But in a sense, that's much minor, much more minor than cutting. You know, you take them you take them out of the world banking system. That that's a big hurt. That's a big hurt. Um, So I was disappointed that. And you You know, and there's been a reluctance, Larry, even even when the, the press has been uh, seeking from the president and also from the European Union and and, uh, NATO countries, when they asked him, well, what are the specific uh, massive economic sanctions that you're going to impose? Give us a sense of the the specifics. And the administration has refused, and so have uh, the Europeans. And that that has been very frustrating. You, You wonder... If, if you're absolutely convinced that you would do the worst thing possible economically, something we resisted doing in 2014 under the Obama administration, if you're committed to pull that trigger, tell them you're going to do it, because that is part of the deterrence, it would seem to me. Mm. But there's been this general reluctance to deal with it. Yes, sir. Let me just read you again, coming back to this announcement this morning. Uh, Foreign Ministry spokeswoman Maria Zakharova said Russia has decided on a, quote, certain optimization, end quote, of staffing at the Russian embassy in Kiev and its consulates in Kharkiv, Odessa, and Lviv because it feared, quote, certain provocations by the Kiev regime or third nations, end quote. Uh, It just sounded to me like that's a warning. I mean, in in a sense, sir, that's the kind of warning I wish we'd be making. I mean, the implications of what she said is, who knows, they may go in whole, they may start bombing Kiev for all we know. I'm just saying that that's a provocation or a shot across the bow or a warning. You know, where, where are our shots across the bow? I guess that's what I'm asking you. Well, um, to explain a little bit more about that, their information operations that they are, they are using right now are along the lines that she was suggesting, although she wasn't all that specific about it, and, and that is that the Ukrainians are getting ready to conduct an attack against the separatist forces in, in the east. Mm. And, of course, that's the provocation that he will use as some kind of justification for crossing into southeastern uh, Ukraine because the separatist forces will ask uh, for assistance. And, there, and, and this reduction in the embassy, um, I think, is part of that whole campaign to justify uh, an invasion because the Ukrainians are doing something that's provoking the invasion, which is a completely false, false narrative. Mm. But we don't have any shots across the bow, though, to get to be mm. frank about it. And we've we've squandered all, all the very opportunity. Yes, I I do agree. We put uh, significant sums of money in terms of lethal aid in there, mm-hmm. but we've never given them the lethal aid that they truly need. The anti-tank weapon systems, just like President Trump did, mm. uh, are very valuable. But they needed air defense systems against missiles. They needed air defense systems, shoulder-fired air defense systems against fighter aircraft, etc. at the tactical unit level. And we haven't given them any of that. The Baltics did give them some Stinger missiles with the United States' approval. But the United States has never gone down that shopping list that the Ukrainian military has asked for, and there's more things on it 
uh, than, than I'm just suggesting here. We, we've done, I think we've done a minimal amount because if you just t- take the logic of this, if you, if you're saying to yourself and three presidents have said this, Obama, Trump, and now Biden, that the United States is not going to go to war with Russia over Ukraine because it's not an aligned NATO country. And I I understand that. But what we are going to do is help the Ukrainians defend themselves. Mm -hmm. So if you take that predicate, help the the Ukrainians defend themselves, why don't we just go all in with that? Mm. Put more advisors in there to help them be trainers, particularly after the March uh, initial troop concentration in Ukraine, and certainly go down that shopping list in a very substantive way and give them an effective deterrence. And we've given them some help. I'm not suggesting we haven't, and that's a good thing. But it's not anywhere near the help that they really wanted. General Keene, let me just, I got to take a very brief commercial break. And uh, if you would hang with us, we'll have you right back after that. We've got much more to do. Folks, I'm talking to General Jack Keene, retired four-star general, uh, currently chairman of the Institute for the Study of War. He is, of course, a Fox News senior strategic analyst and a Presidential Medal of Freedom recipient. And I'm sure glad he's on our side. I'm Larry Kudlow. We'll be right back. This is Talk Radio 77 WABC. I'm Larry Kudlow. We're talking with General Jack Keane, retired four-star general, chairman, Institute for the Study of War, Fox News senior strategic analyst, and a Presidential Medal of Freedom recipient. Uh, Thanks for waiting. General Keene, on the Fox Business Show last night, you said that the um, the to the extent the uh, period of diplomacy is over, and we never have enough time on TV. But I thought perhaps you'd expand on that. Yeah, I I mean, I think that uh, sort of the official diplomacy period it ended uh, yesterday after the nine-hour conference with Russia and Ukraine, um, and Germany and France uh, were there as the host for this. Uh, with no future date set, uh, certainly there is a possibility they could get back together again, but it doesn't look like it. Uh, also, uh, in the last day or so, uh, Foreign Minister Lavro was very dismissive of the uh, foreign minister from the U.K. Uh, he used uh, crude and rude terms to describe her as kind of a personal attack. Mm. And something La- Lavro, while he can talk tough in the past, um, he never personalized it like that. And then Putin has waved off any visits from uh, uh, from foreign leaders, um, and and there were a couple scheduled. So I, I think, you know, Putin has got to the point where he suspects that he's not going to get the concessions that he thought he would get, and and certainly the drumbeat of war has increased, you know, as a result of it. Now, all that said. Um, Diplomacy is never completely over, even if once the invasion takes place, because mm-hmm. there'll be a diplomatic effort, obviously, to stop it and de-escalate. Uh, and certainly, Putin uh, could change his mind uh, on on what actually uh, what concessions he demanded, and take something uh, considerably less than that uh, as a face saver. But yeah, I, I think the door pretty much closed. Uh, on diplomacy, as we were watching it unfold over the last, you know, four to six six weeks, because there's nothing in the offing. Now, Biden is talking to him. I'm sure Macron will talk to him uh, as well. But I, I don't expect much of anything to come come from those discussions. I don't think we're going to take action, as I suggested. Um, this is just trying to 
use more conversation to stop Putin from what he's what he's going to do. And I, I don't think anything that Biden is going to say on that conversation will impact his actions. So when you look at it, step back, you had multiple phone calls or Zoom calls between the two leaders. You had multiple meetings uh, at the Secretary of State Foreign Minister level, Blinken and Lavrov. Lavrov gave Blinken a homework assignment. Remember that? And then Blinken had to submit this long-term paper to him. Uh, you've had meetings at the deputies' levels. And it would just seem, you know, if the diplomatic period is over, uh, I can only conclude uh, that the Biden diplomacy efforts, which were never backed by any big bang actions, we never had any teeth in it. It was all talk that the Biden diplomacy failed. No, if, if Putin comes across uh, into uh, Ukraine, uh, as it seems more likely now, um, yeah, I'm absolutely right. That is the conclusion. He, the Biden team made a strategic error in not using upfront actions to deter Putin and only using the threat of action right. after the invasion. Right. That, that will become a right, fundamental right, right. strategic mistake. Yes, sir. Abs- that's God. where we are. Yes, sir. Yeah. I, you know, that's where you've been. That's where I've been. That's where O'Brien was, too. I mean, he said the same thing. Uh, John, can I just ask you to expand? You mentioned that uh, I'm not sure I understood, but if uh, if war breaks out of some kind that NATO might be strengthened? Yes. And the reason I say that is, is that, listen, we all know that the Europeans have differences uh, among themselves and certainly differences when it comes to NATO. But this this. What Putin is doing here certainly has got all of NATO's attention, and there's there's no doubt about that. And if he does conduct the invasion, it'll it'll it will make NATO focus on the Russian threat in a way that we have never focused on it, despite uh, what took place in Georgia and despite what took place in 2014 in Ukraine, and and that will be a plus to NATO. And I think Putin probably has that. In his calculus, he's very much aware that Germany's soft on Russia, and certainly he takes advantage of that as he did with Angela Merkel. And he's very much aware that uh, Macron wants to separate himself from the United States as much as possible and be a leader of European nations and not always be led around by the United States. But this will this will minimize those differences and bring NATO closer together. An invasion right on NATO's border like this. Well, I hope you're right. I hope you're right. And as always, General Jack Keane, I thank you for your analysis and your helping us out. I'm sure we're going to see you on the Fox show this coming week if anything breaks out. Thank you for your time, sir. Have a wonderful week. Oh, weekend. yeah. Always great talking to you and your audience. Larry, Good luck. Thank you. Yes, sir. All right, folks, we're going to wrap up. I'm Larry Kudlow. This is the Larry Kudlow Show. Now we're going to go to what I think is our main mission, which is save America, kill inflation. We have Senator Phil Graham and distinguished academic John Cochran coming up. 